G'day everybody and welcome to the DriveAble podcast where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure that you go back and listen to episode 14 and 15. In that episode, we had an interview with Nick, Nick Tiago, and um, we had to split it into two. There was so much good stuff in there. The interview uh, went for a little bit longer, so we split it into two sections because there's so much gold in it. Uh, And this one is episode 16, where we get into some of those nitty nitty gritties and reflect on the discussions that we had with Nick. Yeah. Yeah, Brad, that was an awesome, um, awesome interview with uh, with Nick. I've um, actually continued to talk to him a little bit since then. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, lots and lots of gold on so many levels, from life to um, to, to disabilities and driving. Uh, so yeah, I, I was very excited by that, and I'm also very excited to be talking about, I guess, reflecting on what we learnt. So are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery, and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques, and much, much more. The Drivable podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali, and with me is Brad, and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Now, if you haven't done so already, we spoke about Nick's controls and they are really high-end controls. They are controls that are what's commonly known in the industry as space drive technology. Ali, should we get into what is space drive technology? Yeah, yeah. Um, so space drive is um, is what I, I mean, just the name is kind of um, relatively self-explanatory in a way once you see it all set up. Um, because when you sit there, it kind of looks like you're in a um, control station of a spaceship. Um, yeah. You've got all these different things. You normally, you sometimes may not even have the steering wheel in front of you. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Just depends on the setup um, and depends on the application. But basically, it's a, it's. I like to call it turning your car into a computer game, um, because you're turning uh, your car into being able to be driven by things like joysticks. Um, and various controls like that. And one thing which um, I'll put disclosure out there because he, because um, Nick did this, this give a bit of an explanation of how his system works, mm-hmm. um, but not all space drives are the same. It's a space drive is kind of like a very customizable um, setup where you may have fully, fully automated everything, um, uh, or you might have certain things that are just, in there so from what i understand he had the steering automated mm-hmm. um and i think he was still using his feet to um accelerate and brake is that correct yeah, so his cerebral palsy is is affects all four limbs but his feet are able to control the pedal so his right leg he braces his left leg and he uses his right leg to lift and place onto the pedals um he doesn't pivot through his ankle as much he uses more of his whole limb to press the pedals 
he, he mentioned that that's fatiguing for him, but um, it's easier for him to do it that way and safer for him to do it that way than it is to use another hand control for braking and accelerating due to the to the issues in his shoulders. So um, we spoke about that in the episode. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to that. But we reflected on how we came to terms with choosing these controls. And, and he went through a massive journey to try and figure out which which controls were going to beat him, uh, were going to be best for him, I should say. Yeah. He went through uh, hand controls, um, spinner knobs, um, hat trying to trying to figure out how he was going to make the steering wheel move sufficiently enough to get him around a 90 degree corner and then on top of that around a roundabout which which was significant issues for him in those early stages but then when we introduced him yeah okay you go i was gonna say um what was interesting about that was kind of like the theme of what we keep harping on about is multiple trials and keep going on and on. And you can see that he's got a fairly successful outcome because of that reason. Um, He was very, one thing about him, I guess, which stood out to me is that he's kind of like got a bit of an, uh, you know, iron skin. Um, You know, he seems to be able to handle a lot of, um, you know, he's very resilient. Um, which, you know, he spoke about his upbringing and he's got reasons around that um, being taught about I can instead of I can't. Um, But that whole thing that highlighted was he just kept trying different things, you know, trialing so many different things until he found that one thing um, which worked. And then the one thing I thought interesting, which I really, um, I guess, encourage people to continue to think about is a lot of um, people within the, especially in the last, a couple of decades, a lot of people in this disability industry, they're stuck to using a computer all the time. Um, And so they become really good at using a computer in in various forms of gaming and all of that kind of stuff. And those skills that they've built over a decade or two, they can transfer over into into, uh, vehicle driving, not just by a space drive, um, because he had the space drive, which he said, you know, you can drive around um, with a joystick and they've got newer versions, which can even make you go forward and backwards. But even some hand controls like the Kara speed that we've spoken about and even the other ones, they've got, um, you know, even the ones that are on the right side, the, the setup on the arms is, and, and the way it moves is like a joystick. Mm. Um, and what we find is people that have used those computers um, and those kind of gaming apps, they can come in and transfer those skills straight away. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, they, they tend to uh, do stuff with their hands to make something on the screen maneuver, don't they? Um, yeah. So when you get into a car, it's like, yeah, you're, you're using fine dexterity to make a bigger object move. So there is a lot of transfer. And yeah, Nick, Nick reflected that he'd been uh, training himself to drive for many, many years, even before he knew he was doing it uh, with those games that he's got. And, and uh, yeah, we, we can have a whole series on, uh, on his gaming consoles, which uh, date back to before the Commodore 64, right through to, uh, to, uh, modern technology, you know, the PS5s uh, and uh, so on and so forth. He's, he's got it all. He's, a, he's an avid collector. Yeah. And the thing is, is the whole driving, um, you know, I, just the, the other interesting thing, I well, I guess leading on from what I was saying, the other interesting thing I found was, um, so he continued to try different things. But one interesting thing that they said was, um, 
about his jumpy reactions to noises and things like that. And they were concerned about that. Yeah. What I found interesting was um, it was a situation where driving has actually helped his disability get better because he was saying that he was very jumpy with these loud noises and the operative word is was. And then after he got driving and got used to these environments, he said he doesn't even react like that anymore. So to me, that was a big highlight that, that pushing through a boundary um, then changed the face of his disability and the way it works and the way he interacts with the world, um, which, which is a bit easier, I guess, because it's less jumpy. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's learned to re relax his muscles a little bit more to be able to allow himself to drive for longer periods. He's had to train himself to do that as well. Uh, and he's done that by himself, by, by going with his family on longer drives um, and, and heading out into, into well, like your background photo there today, out into the countryside um, with long drives for him to Wyala and so forth and, and had to train himself not to, to, to relax his muscles so he doesn't fatigue. He still gets fatigued. No, don't, don't get me wrong here. He, he hasn't totally overcome it. He's, he holds a lot of tension in his shoulders um, and through his hip and back and so forth as well. Um, but but it, that, that freedom that comes from having his license is, is fantastic for him. Yeah, yeah. So with the, with the um, I guess, drilling down a little bit more about these kind of high-end controls um, mm. because I think there's a still a lot of people that would well, could actually benefit from trying them out, which oh. they haven't even um, given it any kind of, um, I guess, thought or consideration. As I said before, one of the things um, that he mentioned also, which is, I guess, a good point to mention, which we've mentioned in many episodes, um, find the right OT that aligns with you. You know, he said that he worked, the OT he worked with, uh, which was you, Brad, but um, but not, just a little shameless plug. But but anyway, um, the, the theme was the same, though. It didn't give up, kept trying different things, you know. So then you get end up with this space drive. And the other thing that we also um, highlighted was that whole idea of going to Sydney for the space drive. And one of the things which we, um, I guess, I, I wanted to point out with that is um, this industry is a specialized industry. And, and I want to point that out with, a, again, not a bit of a shameless plug, but a little bit. So mobility engineering, which I work with, has a network of installers all around the country, right? And we like to promote the ideology that you can get as pretty much everything installed in your backyard. That's kind of what we like to promote. And that's what we try and push. However, there is a however, there is some stuff which is super sensitive that we also will say, look, this stuff should not be installed by yeah. the person in the background or should not be installed by this person because it is so, so high level um, that it needs high level training, high level, um, high level uh, training from the manufacturers on how to do the programming, on how to set everything up, because even the slightest incorrect thing um, completely blows everything out and, and can cause an accident, which in, in Nick's case, it did. Um, and so, and, and he was talking a lot about PME and I know um, this particular product that he had is from a company called Paravan. Paravan mm -hmm. is based in Germany. Um, and I've actually met the guys from Paravan and, and it's a huge, huge company in Germany. They've been doing this stuff since probably before I was born. Um, they are like super, super high end, super high tech. They work in, in 
in bed with all these Volkswagens and all the manufacturers, like they're, they're all working together. Um, and PME is basically the only paravan trusted installer in Australia. Mm. And so I would be saying if they're not doing a high-end and high-end control over there, um, watch what you're getting and, and double check what you're getting. Because um, if these things go wrong, if they're not set up properly, um, you've, they, they can have catastrophic effects. So just a very simple thing where the spring on the joystick was not strong enough um, caused an accident for, um, for Nick, as he said, you know, it caused the overcorrecting. So very important to, to go to the right people for the right products. Um, and it kind of, it's like that whole ideology of everybody working together and finding the right people um, for the right product for the right need, you know? Uh, and I thought that was a big thing to highlight that don't just go to anyone for this high end stuff, make sure you're going to the right people and, and kind of quiz it and see if they've done it before. Yeah, well, very true. So, um, and, you know, look, let's um, not throw PME under the bus here. They, they do a fantastic job and, and um, you know, yeah. they, they have these products uh, aligned to their company because they do a fantastic job. Um, Nick's condition is different for how Paravan is actually set up. So we reflected on this actually in the podcast is that um, the high-end controls are more often on than not set up for somebody with a spinal injury where they lose tone in their muscle. Um, their muscles are actually weaker because they're not getting the messages sent through the, the spinal cord. Where Nick's is, is basically the opposite. He's, he's got over... Uh, hyped muscles, a hypertonicity in his muscles and makes a really stiff movement. So uh, we've got a really light controller with Nick's having really high tension in his muscles. Um, we tried mini wheels with him. Uh, the mini wheel is a tiny little steering wheel that is set up um, for basically just the shoulders to move, but that didn't suit him. He didn't have the that the tension in his pectoral muscles in his shoulders were too strong and he wasn't able to release the, the tension to go around in the small circles to make the little mini steering wheel spin. We tried um, different other controllers as well, like um, you know, spinner knobs and, and different mechanisms on the joystick controllers and, and all kinds. Um, and it is this trial process that we've been harping on about in this podcast and reflecting on over and over and over again, is that trials really do put you in, in the best situation to make an informed decision. And um, being supported through that is vital. Actually, on that, on that note of, I guess, um, to clarify in terms of the, the product and the setup, um, see what he was saying um, he was saying that the setup of the product potentially may have led him to an accident. Um, and one, I actually wanted to talk about that because, um, so first of all, sometimes, and this might sound a little bit controversial, sometimes you may need to have an accident to figure out what is the problem. And, and unfortunately, that is what needed to happen in his case, uh, whether it's right or wrong. Um, it, it, it is what it is, but it's also, it's, 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 it's hard to explain, but this is also the same if you're able-bodied or not. So one of the interesting things that he highlighted out there was 
the the police officer mentioned about you know how did this guy yeah. get his license etc cetera, etc cetera. and mm. and to be honest that kind of boiled my blood a little bit because like like one of my mates um one of my good mates sam which i'll throw under the bus <laughs> um he's, he's a good mate of mine from high school um he's the same age as me we're in our 40s early 40s he's had about 15 car accidents um since he's been driving like uh, we we all walk around saying mate you shouldn't be driving you know um he just has car accidents all the time you know and his car accidents are teaching him that hey you shouldn't drive this way or you shouldn't do that way or don't drive that car that's too big for you or whatever right mm. but because he's able-bodied no one's turning around and saying oh how did he get his license but i can tell you i'm thinking that about my mate sam you know i'm like how the hell did this guy get his license you know yeah. But no one's even asking that. No one's even saying that to him because he's not in a wheelchair or he's not in he's a disability, you know. But like like someone um, someone mentioned to um, uh, to Nick, how he mentioned that that who gives a shit, you know? Someone has an accident, you know. Whoop de doo. It's not because you're disabled. It's because you had an accident. You know, you overcorrected. Lots of people overcorrect, you know. And and now that you know that, hey, I need to really drill down and maybe potentially even adjust my controls. So be it. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong and it doesn't mean you shouldn't be on the road or we should be all scared about this whole situation. Unfortunately, accidents happen and an accident happened, you know, and it wasn't, I don't believe it was a result of disability or incorrect setup or anything. It was just an accident and it highlighted something that then needed to get fixed, just like if you were able-bodied or not. And, and I really wanted to, I guess, put that out there um, because end users well, that we deal with a lot get very, very worried about that. Like, and we've also mentioned that in this um, podcast, even with like, uh, that was the big theme of talking to Neville um, that, you know, like um, mm. check yourself and make sure you are looking after the community. But at the same time, there is a balance, you know, you don't want to lock yourself up in the house because you think, oh, I might have an accident. People have accidents. Everyone has accidents. You know what I mean? So that shouldn't be the be all and end all, you know? And, um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. It's, I don't think necessarily his product was incorrectly set up in the beginning. Um, it just was set up the way it was set up where, where everybody thought it was suitable. He gave some feedback um, and it didn't work. The feedback, obviously, or whatever happened, he had an accident. They realized, okay, no, this is pretty serious. It, he, you can make some improvements and they did that. And I don't think there's anything negative about that whole process at all. Yeah, look, slightly different opinion um, on on that, and that's why we've got two of us on this podcast so Good. we can reflect on each other's uh, bits and pieces here with what we're saying. Yeah, I think we, I think something could have been done about it, and um, he was mentioning that the spring was too loose and that it was really fatiguing for him, and that he found it really hard to drive in a in a straight line over prolonged periods, and he mentioned that back to the company multiple multiple times so um having that having that ear to listen um and trust that the person is giving you appropriate feedback and doing something about it uh is vital in this industry so we don't have uh potential accidents listening and um and taking on feedback is is critical in any business um and it's also really critical in this scenario because um accidents Oh, accidents can be killers. And um, we don't, I don't just uh, saying, uh, reflecting on a couple of things that you said there, Ali, is that it's everyone has accidents. We don't want to say that that's an okay thing. 
And um, yeah, yeah. I get yeah, we mean. don't we don't want to be promoting that it's okay to have an accident. Well, I certainly don't, and and people might be aware that I'm a board member on the Get Home Safe Foundation, which is is which is about getting home to your family safe. The the impacts that it has on somebody if you do have a a critical injury or a, um, get killed in a car accident uh, has a a rolling effect um, through a family dynamic um, and and has a major impact on on so many people's lives and and um you know, look at these things need to be proactive right at the start rather than reactive that's what i'm trying yeah. to say here well that part i 100 percent agree with yeah um but yeah as i said accidents can happen so um it oh, they, do. they do they do um, we want to try and avoid and, them as much and as yeah can. so um but actually the point you said about listening is a fantastic point um, because I've had this conversation actually with my team in the last uh, week as well. And it's very, very important in this industry in particular, um, because so many times, um, well, what I found is actually more often than not, when the end user is describing their problem, you may need to really listen for a lot more than what they're saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's little um, red flags that come up. Yeah, so many times I have, we've had customers complaining about something. They're saying, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong. And, um, and, and I've found and I've, I've had to kind of coach my team and going, don't, don't go, okay, this person said this is wrong and go and fix that problem immediately. Understand what is actually going on. What are those implications? How is that affecting other things? Um, because they might be looking at one particular thing and they're highlighting that thing. Um, but often, and more often than not, particularly in a disability environment, one thing can affect many, many other things. So you've got to listen, understand what's going on um, and, and holistically find out what's the problem. And, and to your point, like I've been guilty of it as well, um, where, you know, I might have had someone like Nick calling and saying, oh, I've got this problem with the spring and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not really listening to him. I'm sort of going, okay, yeah, he's got a problem. He'll fix it. You know, he'll get used to it. And I'm not really listening, you know. Mm. Um, and that's something that we need to really practice. And, and I really push our team and a lot of people, uh, especially in this space, because we, um, you can't like, everybody's different, especially in this space. You know, like if you've got cerebral palsy, a person, A, person B, person C, person D, completely different ways of interacting with the world, you know? So, so if I'm not listening to that person and I go, okay, Nick has cerebral palsy, so he's an X, Y, Z, and he does these things this way, then I've lost the whole story. You know, I need to actually sit down and listen, not just to his direct interactions, but those kind of little things, that's those flags that is coming up as well. You know, those little things that he talks about, his interactions, getting in and out of the car, tilting his head, all, all those little things. Those things actually make the, create that big picture, especially in this thing. So I really, really promote that, like, really listen. You know, what, what are they saying? What is, the, what is the message behind the message? Yeah, and then we've got to line those up with the Australian guidelines and, and uh, design rules and so forth. I, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot that needs to go into these type of things. And that's why we've started this podcast about it all is that it's not just as simple as putting a spinner knob on a steering wheel. There is so yes. much that goes into it. And that's why we've uh, started this podcast and uh, digging deeper in with these reflection 
uh, pieces because there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people just might not know about um, in regards to these um, Australian road rules and design rules and so forth. And uh, I'm going to do a little segue to our next episode um, to really know a little bit more about that. Our next episode where we've actually got an expert in this area. Ali, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, yeah. So that's Amin, who's actually my brother as well. And he'll be, um, he's, he, he's actually, um, in the last year, he's been elected to represent Australia on the um, Australian Standards Board, well, on the International Standards Boards um, as an Australian representative. So basically, um, yeah, he'll be here talking about how that affects us on a daily basis, how those standards are important. And yeah, they are very, very important. And, um, and I guess even talking about um, bringing back to, to what Nick went through, mm-hmm. I mean, getting the car up and running, look how many trials and how many visits and how long it took the car to be modified because you've got to make sure you meet those standards, you know, like and those things, especially in a car like that, and you're doing all of those things, you've got to have it all tested, you've got to have it all certified um, and approved by your local authority. Um, and, and something like that, you may even have to have it presented to your local authority um, to have them look at and inspect Uh, because it's a pretty high-end modification and not only will they be accepting of external certifications they might want to have a look at it themselves you know um and so yeah that's it's it's um it's really interesting so there's a lot of steps that have to go through and the whole process look we've just had a client go through the whole process and it's coming up to uh, he's about to get his car and we're just ticking onto a year and a half since he had the assessment with us so these, these high-end controls, they, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work in regards yeah. to trying to get funding approved to start off with. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a huge area um, in regards to the NDIS world. Now, Nick was before NDIS, um, and, um, but there's still a lot of uh, proof that it was value for money to start off with. Then as a whole purchase of the vehicle, getting the right vehicle purchase that's going to meet the needs of the client so quite often there's a wheelchair involved there's lifters that are involved there's uh, access to the driving position that's involved Um, so then there's the trial of hand controls or high-end space drive controls um, and and figuring out what's actually going to work bringing all of that together um, and then getting it into into the workshop so um, the client that we've just had had to send uh, buy the car here in South Australia, send it to Melbourne to be have a lowered floor and access. Then they sent it through to Sydney to have the uh, high-end controls installed. He's had to make multiple trips for fittings, both to Melbourne and to um, Sydney now for both of these. There's a lot of steps along the way and uh, they take a lot of time they take a lot of energy from all of these people, but um, you know, as Nick reflected on, uh, the the reward, the return on on that investment has been magnificent for him. He's um, socially included in so many more things now. Uh, the designated driver for lots of outings, um, so that means he's able to be a contributor to his friendship base for his family. He's able to get to family events. Um, and, and like you said, he just doesn't want to catch taxis uh, at yeah. all anymore. 
Well, I mean, I, I've got some notes here from that um, episode, and I've got I, I've got um, a big capital letters here that says, "Wow, his driving saved his life," um, because he was he was on the brink of suicide, and he he I mean, it was through his driving journey, but that's the thing. Like like I guess that's what I want to highlight to encourage to it was a battle for the guy you know for him what was that like two to three years of 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 you know yeah, um, hit long, and miss yep. by the time by the time you sort of count the accident and the break and all of that even longer right mm-hmm. um but he stuck with it and and the and 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 i'm sure that there's a lot of people that um maybe even ot's or people that have listened um end users that have maybe even given up um on this process because it's it might feel like never ending, you know, and, and, I, and I, if I was, you know, a year into it I, and going to all these visits and things like that, and maybe one funding rejection or something like that, it'll just, you know, it'll send you in a downward spiral, but look on the other side of it, as you said, Nick is, um, he, he was on the brink of suicide, but he brought himself back and he, he all contributes to, to driving and not just that he's, um, he's, as you said, he's, he's an integral member of his society, you know, and, and as I said to him, and I, I strongly believe that what's going to happen is, you know, he's amongst all these friends that are young and he's doing a bit of designated driving and they'll have after parties at his house and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're all having a great time. And what's going to happen is I believe when he's older, um, you know, when they've all got kids and all that kind of stuff, they're going to, he's, his friendship is going to be priceless to his community mm. because they're going to go, you know what, thank you, Nick, for making our childhood and our, our youthful days so great because you were always there um you were like the pillar of solidity you know and and i if i can think of when i was those ages if i had a friend like that uh it would have been a lot better <laughs> it probably would have been a lot looked, uh, better looked after as well you know yeah look he he's done so much in that van he was he reflected that he was uh, yeah, in scouts there he's not in scouts anymore but i i've he's told me stories of um, getting out and into the wilderness and camping um, and taking his uh, mobility X8 full drive uh, wheelchair and, and getting into, into trouble with that, rolling it down hills and, but just getting out and, and having adventures and living life from stories of being scouts to being the designated driver. But I've also know that um, he's had assisted people move house with his van, packing the van up and moving people in and out and all those type of things as well. He's an integral part of his community. Yeah. Uh, thanks to having that van, having a license and being able to, to drive. So it means a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess one of the final things I'll just keep highlighting, I guess, on that is so many people have to come together and you just mentioned that about the other person you're working with mm-hmm. to make this happen. And to me, that is again, another thing that we need to highlight is this industry has really no room for aggressive competitiveness by anybody from mm-hmm. OTs to end users to, to, um, to converters to the lot, you know, um, suppliers. It's it, if you are aggressively competitive, you lose everybody loses the community loses but if you are working with the competitors with the other people you know like even um brad mentioned uh, nick mentioned that brad had to work with um 
Tom as another OT because he was more of an expert. And I I dare say there's OTs out there that wouldn't work with somebody else because they don't like him or it's a competition or something like that. Um, And that's not okay. You know, um, if you need to figure out that you need to partner up with another OT because they're good with this or, or another converter because they're good with that. You know, like we had Mm -hmm. Peter last week who, or Peter, sorry, is coming up <laughs> about multiple converters. The person you're talking about getting it done by one person and then another person. People are talk. Uh, you need to have people linking up to make this thing successful. You know, um, and and yeah, and when you do, the community thrives, and and that's what I love to see. Yeah, look, great place, great place to end it on. I think um, we, when Nick went through this, there was really only one provider for space drive. Yeah. Now there's more uh, in in Australia. So um, there's even more opportunities to trial things now. Uh, There's Total Ability, which has also got um, space drive technology through a different company. Um, It's not Paravan, it's it's Fadiel, and he's got Fadiel type products in there as well um in in vans and and they can actually travel around Australia. So the opportunities right now for people to be able to drive with really high-end controls. Maybe you thought you've never been able to drive uh, because limbs don't work uh, for whatever medical condition or disability. Now might be a fantastic opportunity to maybe reopen that door and have a look on the other side to see if there is something that's available to you. Um, There are products that, you know, where in South Australia, we were limited by traveling to Sydney previously. There's now more opportunity to trial things uh, in this era of NDIS than there ever has been before. And um, so, yeah, get out there and do those trials. And, and it's just going to keep increasing as well. So, I think um, so. so just get out there. Yeah, I think so. All right, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for joining us uh, and listening in. And a huge thank you for Nick for your last couple of episodes and all of that wonderful, valuable content and talking to us about the uh, space drive technology. Um, That was great. And it was great to kind of reflect on that. Yeah. And if you want to get in contact with Nick, uh, we will put uh, contact details in the show notes. We'll also put a video of Nick driving with space drive where his hands do not touch the steering wheel uh, and you'll see the steering wheel spin around in front of you. It's, it's really valuable to watch that so you understand how this all comes together. Yeah. As we say in every episode, if you've got any queries about what can work for you and what you can do to get out on the road, make sure that you get in contact with your local OT or your mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. And as we say in every episode, trials really do put you in the driver's seat. That's it for now. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barrier. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.